You're listening to Pole Parlor, a fun, inspiring podcast for all those bewitched by pole dance. Each week, your Madam Crimson Minx has candid conversation with unique, engaging individuals from within and around the pole dance community. Pole Parlor is passionate about preaching creativity, soulful sensuality, and empowerment through pole dance. You know how we do. Welcome everyone to Pole Parlor. This is episode 38, Michelle Minx. I'm your host, Crimson Minx. This week on the podcast, we have pole dance pioneer, Michelle Minx. On this episode, we talk about how Michelle first fell in love with pole performing and doing showgirl competitions at strip clubs in the Midwest, her experience touring around the world at diverse creative showcases with her Gravity Plays Favorites doubles partner, and the struggles and successes of opening her own pole studio, Michelle Minks Academy, in St. Louis, Missouri. Don't forget to check out Michelle's post-podcast interview on the blog at poleparlor.com where she shares her favorite photos, music, video, and more. And if you haven't already, check out youtube.com slash poleparlor where I'll be sharing new fun video content as well as lots of inspirational pole video playlists. So now, here is Michelle. Michelle Minx to the Pole Parlor Podcast. How are you today? Good, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. So let's jump on in. For how long have you been polling and how did you first discover pole dance? Okay, Um, that depends on how I look at it. So I'm just going to go ahead and start from the very beginning. Um, I saw pole in person for the first time in a strip club. I was a waitress at Denny's and I liked waiting tables, but I knew I could make more money as a cocktail waitress. And I also thought it would be really fun to work in a strip club. So I waited outside the doors for midnight to turn 18 and I walked in and filled out an application. Uh, I had always kind of wanted to dance, but I also was smart enough to know how naive I was and had no idea how the business really worked. So I thought I should cocktail waitress first, but I walked in and the first thing I saw were two women on stage, completely naked, hanging upside down from the pole. At least one of them was hanging upside down. And I had no idea that it was completely nude for one thing. So I was kind of shocked at first, but I immediately thought, well, this is pretty great. So uh, I saw them up there and I got the job waitressing and I waitressed and I saw people dancing on stage. There wasn't a lot going on in my club that I worked at at the time. I mean, this was 94, 1994. So that's a long time. That's over 20 years ago. Um, And Sometimes feature dancers would come through the club or traveling dancers would come through. And there was one girl, I'll even remember her name was Asti, and she did the first inside leg hang I'd ever seen and did some leg switches. And my mind was completely blown, but I actually thought I'd never be able to do those things that she was doing. I was doing some basic spins and what I call an ankle hang, just laybacks, basic laybacks. Um, I had no idea how to climb. But so I would say my first start was then. I was about 18 
the first time I ever touched a pole. Uh, then once I started dancing, I went to another club that didn't have danceable poles. So there's maybe a five year moment in there where I wasn't actually pole dancing. Um, but I was still dancing and floor fucking (laughs) my mind out. So that was fun. But then the club that I worked at put in real poles and I got obsessed immediately. I had always really loved climbing trees and tumbling in the backyard and anything movement and dance related. I was always trying to do anything I could. I taught myself as much tumbling as possible. So that was just always something I was really attracted to. Just what can my body do and having fun dancing, which is another reason I was attracted to working in a strip club anyway. I love dancing. I love flirting. I love meeting lots of different people. So for me, it seemed like an ideal job. So Yeah, I would say I probably got obsessed with pole dancing. It was probably around 1998 is when I really started doing it. And more and more featured dancers were coming through because it was a bigger club. It was Deja Vu Corporation, which is also part of Hustler Corporation. So they have a much bigger conglomeration of dancers coming through and features coming through. And also competitions, Showgirl of the Year competitions and Pole Princess competitions and Showgirl Spectacular, which is a group competition. And... I was doing all of those and having a blast with them. So uh, that's that's probably how I really got started polling was I was just would not stay off the pole. I would dance and perform my ass off every time I was on stage, whether there was no one in the club or there were 100 people in the club. I was up there doing whatever I could, figuring it out. Also figuring it out. There wasn't really a way to learn then besides figuring it out. So I learned on stage in front of an audience, uh, which is a different monster altogether. You know, you're you're trying to do things you have no idea what you're doing. It hurts. Uh, you're trying to make it look like it, it doesn't and that you know what you're doing. So saving yourself and getting out of things gracefully. So making incomplete tricks look finished is, you know, part of part of what you're doing up there. So I think I learned that way, freestyling, just being on stage. Yeah, we had a past guest on, Almitra Karistan, and she was at Deja Vu in Seattle. And mm-hmm. So she was telling us about these showgirl competitions, and um, that's how she owns a pole studio now in Hawaii. So it's funny you you own your pole studio also, but we'll talk about that yeah. in a little bit. But um, did you like travel during this time? Because I believe you were you were doing this a bit earlier than her. So you're saying when you started in '94, there were some people doing tricks. Yes. But, yeah. Absolutely. Did you travel yeah. and do the competitions and do the showgirls? Uh, yeah, whenever we won our local competitions, we would go to regional competitions and then national competitions. I think the best I ever did was third at national. That's cool. um, and it's kind of funny because my dance partner, Katrina Dahl, we had to compete against each other as solos. So that was a little <laughs> rough from time to time. But we supported each other. And the year that one of the years that she beat me and went to nationals, she actually competed against Pantera Blacksmith. And uh, it was adorable because, Katie, we weren't really that far into it. And I remember her performance didn't go as well as planned, but Pantera was amazing as always. So I'll always remember that. And I think now I can tell Katie, don't worry, you did lose against someone who was already it's freaking Pantera. fantastic, you know? Yeah. So, you, you know, that's that's fine. <laughs> that's an okay person to lose to if you're going to lose, you know? So that's fine. Did you like know, did Pantera have a reputation back then? Or did you know of different dancers like, oh, we're going to New York and this girl's dope or like, it was kind of like. No, honestly, we had no idea. No, we, I mean, there, 
I guess there was internet, but I wasn't on the internet then. YouTube wasn't a thing yet until probably 2005 or six. did YouTube become a thing at all. Uh, there was really no networking that I was aware of at the time for pole dancers. The only place I ever saw pole dancing was inside a strip club. And I just remember I didn't really have a competitive uh, nature in, in that way, not against against myself I do, but not really against other people. For me, I remember the first time I went to a national competition, it was in New Orleans. And it was at the Hustler Club there. And it was a 25 or 32 foot pole or something. And there were 17 competitors. They gave us an hour all together at one time to check out the pole beforehand. There was no real practice time or rehearsal. And I just remember thinking, I just need to climb this pole. I just need to know I can even climb that high. The judges were on the second floor looking at you. So everything had to be done really high, which I was kind of terrified of. But yeah, for me, no, I didn't know anyone's name. And I had no expectations of winning. I didn't care about that at all. I was just really excited to see other pole dancers that loved pole dancing as much as I did. Because when you work in a club, I mean, pole dancing, it's good advertising, but it's not really where you make your real money. So if you're in a club and you're pole dancing, you're doing it because you love it. And there's ever only going to be probably a handful of people that love it as much as we do. So I was just thrilled to be around other women who loved it as much as I did. And I couldn't wait to see what they were doing. That was my 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 thing. I just want to see more pole dancers and meet them and see amazing things I've never even considered in my mind. Because I would lay awake at night thinking of the possibilities, thinking of different transitions. And is this even possible? Can I do this? And then try waiting to be at work the next time and trying it on stage and having no idea. There are a few things I thought, is this going to break? Is this dismount going to break my arms? <laughs> Only one way to find out. <laughs> so, you know, that was tips. my excitement. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that was my only excitement was meeting them and seeing them dance and sharing the pole love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Did you, was there a region? I'm curious that you knew if you were at a competition in this place where like the dancers were really good <laughs> or was there not? Maybe Michigan. Michigan was good. Yeah. For some reason there are a lot of deja vu clubs in Michigan. Um, Ypsilanti. These are the ones that we went against and I, they've been going a lot longer. I was from a smaller club that had just been bought out by deja vu hustler. So the touring was new to us. The competitions were new to us. We didn't even say what city you were in when you were doing. Oh, St. Louis, <laughs> St. Louis, Missouri, which actually is kind of a lie because there are no strip clubs in the city of St. Louis. They're all uh, across the river in Illinois in the more economically deprived little towns um, because St. Louis doesn't allow any kind of nudity. There may be a couple of bikini bars, but who wants to go there? <laughs> no one really wants to go there. So uh, on the other side of the river, we have full nudity, full bar, uh, which is kind of unusual in the country. At least it was at the time that I was dancing. I think it's more common now. A lot of places that are full nude are juice bars. But here we have uh, full nudity and full bars. But I think it's because a lot of those towns, it's the only revenue they get is from strip clubs. And they get a lot of revenue from strip clubs. So they kind of allow whatever licensing they get the most money for and that's full nude full bar yeah because all the showgirl competitions are full nude the deja vu ones that the competitions that people travel around for so yeah that's that's their business model so (laughs) right exactly (laughs) oh okay that's so cool and so when did you start you you mentioned your partner katie before Mm -hmm. so um when did you guys meet did you meet dancing together or 
Yes, we met at the club. I had been dancing for a few years at this point. I had actually been more seriously pole dancing for maybe, this wasn't that long, I guess, after maybe a couple of years. I'd been serious about pole dancing, and we were getting ready to do a group competition, the Showgirl Spectacular, and I had a dance partner at the time. Her name is Malia. She's amazing, Um, but she had to quit dancing for personal reasons. She was having a custody battle, and as you know, we could go on into another conversation about the issues with that, Uh, but so Katie had been at the club, and we immediately saw each other dance and fell in love with each other. I saw her dance and saw how she felt the music. She was ni- She's about six years younger than me. She was 19 at the time, brand new, walked in by herself, had no experience, but she got on stage and it was phenomenal to me. I mean, it took my breath away. It, it was moving to me. I, I saw the way that she felt the music in her body and it was amazing. And then she was thinking the same thing about me. So we started dancing together on the nights uh, that Malia wasn't working. And then our relationship grew a little more. And then Malia ended up having to quit because of the custody thing. And so Katrina came in on her spot. We were maybe a week or two away from this competition. And I, so I taught Katrina all of the pole that I knew at the time, which honestly wasn't that much if I think about it now. But I taught her. She learned really fast. Her poor little elbows were hurting so bad from learning so much climbing so in such a short amount of time. And but she cried through the pain, and then she got up there anyway, and we were unstoppable after that. We just there was this unspeakable chemistry, un, just this chemistry between us that was amazing from the beginning. We just felt music the same way, we liked the same music, and we had this way of dancing together without ever being in sync. We never actually did um, choreographed simultaneous in sync movement so much as just dancing together in ways where we intertwine with each other um, and move up and around each other. And over time, it just grew and grew where um, we both wanted to be on the pole. (laughs) And it was easier for both of us to be on the pole than for one of us to be on a small stage and the other one to be on the pole. So we kind of got impatient and also wanted to play around. So we just started finding ways to flip over each other on the pole and around each other and holding each other. And it turned into something really beautiful over time. And eventually people started saying that it was really beautiful and telling us that we should be somewhere outside of a strip club doing it, performing that, not that we shouldn't be stripping, but just that this should be seen more in a more public venue. And eventually we started believing that maybe that was possible. So we started looking into getting a portable stage and where could we possibly perform Uh, outside of a strip club who would let us do this I mean obviously you can pole dance without stripping but there is that association which I mean I don't mind I could go on about that forever too (laughs) but uh, we needed a venue that we could do it legally so we looked around we also wanted it to be in a way that we were comfortable with Um, I mean there are so many things that go into this another thing is A lot of the themed sets that we would do at the club or things that we would want to compete with were more on uh, the political side or the satire side, which doesn't really go over that well in strip clubs (laughs) for the most part. So we thought, actually, if we go out of a strip club, maybe people will appreciate those sides of it more and the, the potential for the things that we can do, the options of messages that we can send through poll just open up exponentially that way. And um, there was a, a women's art festival coming up called Venus Envy. It's still going on today, actually. It's an all-women's art festival, and they showcase all different types of art, all different types of media, photography, painting, sculpture, 
and then also live performance. And um, we applied to get into that. And the ladies actually came to Hustler and watched us perform on stage. That was our audition for that (laughs) festival. And they actually loved what we did and they accepted us. So we got to perform at Venus Envy 2005 in April. That was our very first performance outside of a strip club. We got the first original Platinum Stages portable stage, which is basically a four by four box uh, that sits, it's square and it sits about a foot off the ground. We had a seven, seven feet of pole to work with 50 millimeter for two people <laughs> and we made it work somehow. We made it work somehow. So, and people really loved it. We actually packed that room of that venue so much that the fire marshal had to be called and we did it two nights in a row from there. We, the venue that we performed in actually asked us to come back and do a monthly gig. So we ended up having our own show <laughs> once a month for quite a few months with nothing else happening, which was kind of crazy. So we would do these 20 minute performances where we would each do a solo song and then we would do two songs together, double, and then we would have a break and then we would do another 20 minute set and people would come just to watch that. It was kind of amazing. I don't even know how that happened now. Oh yeah, absolutely exhausting. (laughs) You should have got like an, like a, band or someone else in there so you could well we did a lot of those we actually did do a lot of those a lot of types of shows Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you um did you feel like um well actually question i wanted to ask first was were there a lot of other people doing doubles that you could like reference during that time or did you feel like you guys were coming up with this like on your own isolated we had never seen anyone else do it it. ever I had done a couple of double laybacks with my previous partner. Uh, when you say like, that was um, about it. partner at the strip club, it was just you were both on the stage at the same time and kind of interacted the pole at the same time, but it wasn't like this coordinated performance like then you and Katie evolved into, right? Right. It was all freestyle. Okay. And Katie and I were all freestyle actually yeah. as well. Right. So that was kind of common at the clubs. People would have like doubles partners, but um, you guys kind of took it to the next level where you were like, yeah, people who make a good team hustling together will dance together on stage um, at the same time. Right. And then also you can hustle customers together at the same time or separately as well. But uh, yeah, actually, I had never seen doubles before. I know there are a few people out doing it. I think Mystique and someone, Spider or something like that. Yeah, yeah um, great. But I had never, but I had never seen it. Um, maybe a couple of small things. But yeah, no one, I had never seen it at the time. The things that we were coming up with we were just coming up with on our own. We had nothing to reference, honestly. You weren't no. going through Instagram or anything like that. Okay. Uh, there was no Instagram. There wasn't even MySpace yet. Oh my Maybe goodness. there was MySpace. MySpace was just getting started. But no, there was no Instagram. There was no YouTube to look at. No. So you were really coming from like a complete place of originality. Yeah, as far as we're concerned. I mean, that's the way I feel about it now. Sometimes People want to claim tricks. And I think if that happens organically where other people give you credit for something because you made it known because of some fabulous performance, that's fantastic. But I think that every pole dancer should just be really happy and proud of themselves. Anytime you come up with anything, whether it's been done a million times or never, if you stumble upon it on your own uh, because of your creativity and your ingenuity and your ability to to just flow with yourself and, and think outside of the box and not just go by what other people are doing or everything that you've been taught, then that counts as an original trick. Even if it's just an inside leg hang, if you've never seen someone else do it before, 
and you do it, you did it. You did it. That came out of you organically. I think people should love that about themselves a little bit more and celebrate that. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like you can't like claim a brush stroke, you know, and that's kind of what dance is. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, inevitably there's a pool. There's only so many things you can do around it and on it. So we're all going to start discovering things. And um, we also did not mention the name of your duo. So it's Gravity Plays Favorites, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, because people like to, you know, Google things after I'm going to put a bunch of links of your performances in the show notes, but people could also Google um, Gravity Plays Favorites. Absolutely. So so did you start integrating into the burlesque community? It seems like after that, like, let's talk about now you realize, oh, people want to see this outside the strip club. Then what Mm -hmm. happened? Okay. Um, so actually this is interesting cause it kind of intertwines a lot of your questions together anyway, that all one, one runs into another. So yes, yes. And no, we had technically, I guess, been doing burlesque the whole time we were stripping because I, that was what I loved about working at the strip club. That's why I did competitions was not to compete, but was to put together an act, to put together, maybe choreograph it, or at least a structured a structured freestyle type of situation, uh, costuming and theme and, and music choices and all of that. So really, uh, it wasn't that big of a jump for me, um, but we didn't call ourselves burlesque. In the beginning, we did a lot of different types of shows. We did so many weird things. We performed at the Houston Museum of Natural History. We performed um, in carnivals and burlesque shows. We performed between bands, before bands, a lot of those types of things. We did a lot of art shows. We did a lot of weird things that none of them would be considered burlesque. Pole actually fits into a lot of different places really well and can be done in a lot of different ways in a lot of different places. So the options are just endless. But the way that we got into burlesque, actually, uh, it's all very serendipitous. We named ourselves Gravity Plays Favorites after a song by the Dresden Dolls called Gravity. I don't know if you're familiar with the Dresden Dolls. Yes, it seems like course. the yeah, longer. Okay, great. Yes, yes, <laughs> good, good, fantastic. Yes. So that song's amazing. We both fell in love with the Dresden Dolls as soon as we heard it. Katie took me out to her car to listen to it, and we were both instantly and in love. Stage performances are. I mean, I've seen them live a number of times. So they put on spectacle yes. shows too. So. Yes, absolutely. And so we named ourselves Gravity Plays Favorites after that song. And there was this man who was kind of, um, he was a fan of ours and he was coming to a lot of our shows and filming us. And he was uploading us to YouTube. That was in 2005 or 2006. And Amanda Palmer and Brian Viglione, that's the Dresden Dolls, they saw the videos. I think maybe they thought it was going to be a, a Dresden Dolls cover band. I'm not really sure about that or not, <laughs> but that's just something I think maybe happened. And they watched our video and Amanda Palmer herself emailed us directly and said, I, we love your act. This is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. You, do you want to open up for us next time we come to St. Louis? And so we were like, uh, yes. <laughs> Katie printed out that email and, and framed it for me. And, uh, and so we were really excited about that. So we got to do that. We actually got to open up for them at the pageant, which is, um, it's like a three or 5,000 person, you know, uh, venue. It's a big venue here in St. Louis. And we were completely amazed. I can never remember if that was first or if the fuck the back row show was first. I think that was first. And then they had us back for the fuck the back row show. 
And that's when they were touring with uh, Panic at the Disco. And they knew that they had a lot of their own fans who who weren't going to the Panic at the Disco concerts. So they did these smaller venue concerts directly after each Panic at the Disco concert for their own fans. And that was called Fuck the Back Row. So we performed there with them. And their tour manager, Jen Capay, is um, she's Thirsty Girl Productions, which is one of the producers of the New York Burlesque Festival. And she saw us at that show and loved us. She's amazing, by the way. Still in contact with her and love her so much. Um, she loved what we did and invited us to be in the New York Burlesque Festival that year. And we jumped at the chance and thought, oh, this is really great. Burlesque, that sounds cool. And it's kind of funny to look back on that now because that was really a stroke of universe, the universe looking down on us and giving us a big kiss because a lot of burlesque performers from all over the world, um, you know, apply to be in that in that festival and don't make it year after year because there's so much burlesque and it's it's hard to have a niche in that in that community. Um, and then to think that we were just asked to be in it just out of the sheer luck of meeting the producer um, was amazing to me. And now to look back and think our very first burlesque show actually was the New York Burlesque Festival. <laughs> it's kind of crazy and awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so it was just fantastic. I think she had never thought, thought of that before being in burlesque. It hadn't really been in burlesque that I know of at the time. So that was our first burlesque show. And that show got us a few other gigs that got us, what year was that? Into, like, that was 2006. Okay. Mm-hmm. Actually, there are also there are video of us performing with the Dresden Dolls. That's probably one of my best, my most memorable times on stage, was getting to do the encore with them with the Dresden Dolls at you the just pageant. Your stage pull up and you guys. Yes. Okay. Yes. Wow. And we we opened for them. We did two songs to open for them, just ourselves on our own. And then at the end, they brought us back for the encore and they they sang Gravity. So we got to perform to our namesake song live with the band to a sold out audience. And that is, that is on YouTube. Um, that was probably one of my most amazing moments for sure. Wow. Yeah. And that is, you know, about a year after you started. So there was some sign there that like, yeah, this is working out for you. This is something like very new, but being very well received. Absolutely. What yes. There, so I love that you said before how that pole is really easily integrated into other things and performances, because I feel like maybe we get blinded to that sometimes and we're just like, no, we have to have a full pole performance and it needs to be all pole. And to me, as a pole dancer, I've said this multiple times, but I can't watch just pole, 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 pole um, as much as I love it. So I, one thing I love that you guys do is that you do integrate with other artists and creatives and create like you know are a part of a larger artistic expression so right do you mind just telling us like some of the places you traveled and um some of the um other creatives that you performed with like oh wow yes like bands you said um like what did you do with the the museum was it just like they just needed someone to perform while an opening was happening. I'm trying to get people's brains going of like, oh, how can mm-hmm. we like, I can pack up a stage and talk to someone and mm-hmm. get some performing somewhere because mm-hmm. we're on a mission to get pull out there more. And so. <laughs> right. 
Well, for the museum, we were ambient performers during their cocktail hour. Yeah, cool. <laughs> it was during a gala, so it was a fundraising gala with, you know, lots of lots of people there who give big donations to the museum. So we thought that was interesting that they chose us, you know, with the stigmas that Pole has. Mm-hmm. But we didn't really feel that. I would say maybe the first time that we went up, there were some women kind of clutching their drinks a little bit. And and Do kind of pulling their husbands away a little like... bit. But, well, they had us, actually, they built the rig for us that time. So they had us up on a really high platform so that there was no confusion about that. Yeah. And we had matching outfits on. It, everything was emerald. Um, we had to climb a ladder to get up there, kind of like a trapeze artist. So the way that they presented it was not very stripperish at all. Okay. So there wasn't really that confusion, but there was still a pull. So there was a little bit of the, uh, just at first, but then once they watched us longer, then it was the women standing there watching us and the men losing interest. Um, So, you know, we, we feel we kind of win people over eventually, you know, if you just get to know us, give us a chance and talk to us a little bit or just watch our show. um, Usually people are won over and usually women, especially, you know, it's something that they don't expect it to be. Uh, so a uh, lots of shows have been, they've all just been really different. We've also done uh, motion capture work for a video game. That was really fun. Oh, cool. So that wasn't in front of an audience, but that was one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to do as a pole dancer. Um, we performed in Cyprus for, <laughs> I think it was the grandson of a, the founder of H&M's wedding, his, uh, yeah. his grandson's wedding. Rich. Yeah. Right. So they rented out this entire five-star hotel and they built out this um, room that was an entertainment room at night. And we were hired to be part of the entertainment, the after hours entertainment there. So that was amazing. The Temptations were there. We were eating lunch with the Temptations during the day and then performing till 5 a.m. at night and then swimming in the Mediterranean Sea at dawn and then sleeping and then doing it all over again the next night. That was amazing. Um, Best yeah, the Swedes really fell in love with us. For They met us at um, the New York Burlesque Festival, and they hired us to come do some gigs to the burlesque festivals in uh, Sweden. And that was all amazing. Um, we did another show in Marseille for Absolute Vodka in France. Um, we've had lots of interesting gigs like that. And those are all variety shows. So I definitely do love performing with other variety artists. There were lots of burlesque or singers, musicians, contortionists, jugglers, fire performers, uh, aerialists, pretty much anything that you can think of is who we were performing with originally. We weren't in, really in the pole community at all because there really wasn't a pole community much at all yet, you know. So I do think there's a, a plus to that. I personally love pole shows, and I honestly really never get tired of watching pole, especially if it's when people um, are true to themselves because it can be so many different things. So there can be a lot of variety. Yes. If you have everyone performing the same style or staying inside a box that they think pole dancing is supposed to be, then it gets boring pretty fast. Or if it's all about tricks and not expression, then it gets boring pretty fast. But I really love watching pole, but I will say that, yeah, there's a different feeling as a pole dancer when you're performing in shows and you're the only pole dancers because there's no competition with other pole dancers, even in within yourself, you know, not feeling, you don't have that feeling of I'm not a good enough pole dancer to do this. You know, you're not watching five other pole dancers go up before you and, Getting all, you, 
yeah. getting nervous, thinking, wait, is my is my performance going to be up to par? Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about that. And then also the audiences are really appreciative of pole because most of them have never seen pole before. So pretty much anything you do, they're kind of blown away yeah. and they love it. It's something that they most people don't get to see. Now more and more that's happening, but most people haven't seen much of it outside of a strip club. And most people actually haven't gone to strip clubs or if they have, there wasn't much pole dance going on. So it's new. It's really new. Even though it's so ingrained in our lives, it's really new to a lot of the people that go to shows to see it. So it's just a new experience for them. They just get excited about it. They do. Yeah. And that feels good as a performer. Yeah, <laughs> you do a layback and they're like, holy hell. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it is impressive what we do. We just don't give ourselves enough credit. Sometimes. Right, exactly. Um, so do you guys still perform or are you? Uh, we haven't performed together in maybe about a year okay. uh, just because Katie's kind of busy with regular life and regular job type of stuff and we had less and less time also I run a studio and teach 12 classes a week plus privates and um, doing shows so we haven't had a lot of time for that but we had a really good 10 good solid 10 years of touring consistently doing shows all over consistently and having so much fun so um, that's just you know it's a little sad I I I wish we were still doing more together but, um, you know, that's part of life. It's a new chapter. And 10 years is, is pretty good, pretty good long time to be together and to do all of that. So, yeah, yeah I can't say disappointed in it. Yeah. It's just so dreamy. It sounds like, you know, when you hear about the old like vaudeville acts that are just like traveling around, like I, in my mind, you traveled on train to everything and <laughs> <laughs> because I've seen too many movies and read too many books of that time period, but right. it's just like such a cool experience. And so actually we mostly traveled in my vibe to almost every place, <laughs> every place that could be driven to, we drove together. Uh, the only place the we back. took planes, yep, the only because when we first started, there were no poles anywhere else. Yeah. So now you can go to a pole show. If you, you know, now if I get hired to perform in a pole show, all of that is generally provided, especially because it usually is a pole show or a pole convention or something. But when you're the only pole dancers and there are no pole dancers el- elsewhere in the city, there's no one to rent a stage from. No one even had them to have the option to rent you a stage. Yeah. And um, flying with a stage is really expensive. Really. It was really expensive then, especially, and it still is even with an X stage that breaks down more, they're heavy. So it costs a lot to travel with that. So we drove, plus we love driving. We're great road trip partners. We had a blast <laughs> on the road. We drove everywhere. Even we would drive straight through to San Francisco, which is 30 hours from here. We would take four hour shifts each talk for an hour, sleep for three, switch drivers, and keep going. Wow. And we had an amazing blast doing that. It was fantastic. Yeah. Oh. I would not give the, those moments up for anything. No, not at all. Sometimes I miss that more than the shows themselves. <laughs> the being on the road together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> your dreamy life. This is so fun. <laughs> did you, so when did you then decide you were going to open a pole studio? Okay, well, sometime around 2006, I think it was, I was just on South Grand, which is kind of a little fun little business district where people hang out. There's cute little shops and restaurants there. And I was in one of the shops that I love. And they mentioned that the yoga studio across the street had heard that pole fitness was going to be the next big craze 
for fitness studios. And they were thinking that they would like to offer it to their customers, but they had no idea where to go, who would teach it, anything. So I thought, oh, that's fantastic. Whoever was just telling me because they knew I was a pole dancer. But I went directly over to that yoga studio and the owner was there. So I introduced myself to him and I said, I heard you're thinking about offering pole dance and I pole dance and I would love to teach. And he said, okay, great. You're hired. (laughs) And, and, uh, (laughs) that was it. He put one pole in the back room, uh, that was 50 millimeter and was just cut, you know, cut steel from construction, uh, like bolted floor and stealing there. Well, they're really, I mean, there wasn't much to go back, go on back then. Platinum stages was around, but I mean, it just, no, I mean, they were good poles. They were, you know, the gauge was good. There, there was no spinning option, but they were good, strong poles. It was fine. But there was just one of them at first. And, um, I really had no idea what I was doing. I mean, there were no, uh, that I'm aware of. I mean, well, Fania Dietrich, you know, she opened up the very first pole studio, I think in 1996 in the U S was in 2004. Five. She opened her. She was teaching. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, the first pole studio in the U.S. was in 2000. Sheila Kelly opened S Factor, but yeah, Fania was teaching out of her house and like her home studio. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, So long. Yes. But But there were there was no certification. Yeah, that's amazing to me. I love and I love them both. Um, But there was really no certifications that I was at least aware of at the time. There might have been starting. You could take like a DVD. You could like do Fania's DVD that came out in like 98 (laughs) or something like that. Yeah. And I I didn't even know about any of that. Not at all. I had no, yeah, no connection to the pole community whatsoever. And I mean, this was still 2006. So we had just barely started performing outside of the strip club um, and barely started doing any of that. So I kind of had to build, it's kind of funny when I think about what I was teaching first, because I was teaching intermediate tricks pretty immediately (laughs) to people. Um, But I learned pretty fast that that wasn't going to work for most people. And I really enjoyed really delving into it and starting to figure everything out you know, really analyze how does this work? How do we do this? Figuring out beginner tricks, figuring out how to build on them, figuring out how to build foundations and stepping stones for people to get to the next level and doing it in a way that was safe and fun for them and still challenging, but not going too hard, too fast. All of those things, I really fell in love with that whole process. And so I taught just a couple of times a week out of this the back room in this yoga studio for a couple of years. And so like everyone would take a turn on the pole. I would demonstrate. I mean, I had three or four people in my class tops usually, and I would demonstrate something, explain how to do it. And then they would all take their turns. (laughs) Finally, there were two poles so they could practice on the other one while I was helping other people on the demo pole. Um, But eventually uh, the woman, it, it changed ownership and the woman who owned it was great. I got along with her as a person fantastically, but they were offering a lot of other classes in the main room. And she, it was funny because she actually didn't know anything about any of the classes that were being offered at her place. She wasn't a yogi. She wasn't a dancer. She definitely wasn't a pole dancer. Right. (laughs) And so she didn't really understand the logistics you know, when I would explain to her, all I wanted at that time were three levels, beginner, intermediate, and advanced. 
I mean, now looking at the classes that I have now that, that are, they're so much more complex, you know, so many more levels and so many different styles and categories. But at the time I just wanted beginner, intermediate and advanced and she couldn't really get that concept. It was kind of, Oh no, I'll just throw this person in on their first day with your students who are, you know, doing inverted sequences. So eventually I was just kind of dealing with it. I actually never knew that I wanted to be a business owner and I'm not a business owner because I want to be a business owner. I'm a business owner because I love pole dance and I love teaching it. And eventually my students just kept on me about, you need your own place. You need your own place. We want, we want your classes the way you want to teach them. And (laughs) finally I thought, okay, maybe they're right, you know? And so I found a little, another room in the back of a yoga studio to sub, to sublet from someone and started that in 2010, Minx Academy. Uh, but that was just a small room again with only two poles and no mirrors, which I think actually has its pros as well, because a lot of women especially, um, have body image issues. So, and then, you know, when we do pull the more advanced, you get the less clothes you kind of want to have on. And so that was actually a really good way to get women comfortable with their bodies, being in a space where they were using their bodies and seeing the amazing, beautiful, strong things they could do without letting their image distract them, letting their own image of themselves looking back at them distract them from what they were doing. So I think there's definitely something there as well. You don't always have to look in the mirror. You know, sometimes it's helpful for lines. Mirrors. Yeah, sorry, part oh, yeah. of my interruption. Like no, we were just okay. saying S Factor before, but they purposely and I don't even go to S Factor, but <laughs> I just know about them from research, but I know that they don't have mirrors. I, I think that's exactly a beautiful what thing. you just said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's really powerful. That is really powerful. And I do have mirrors now and I love them and they're really useful in some ways. But I definitely think there's nothing wrong with having curtains. <laughs> so you can decide when when you want mirrors and when you don't. Or, you know, I give permission to people all the time. Don't don't look in the mirror if that if you're not ready for that, that's okay. You don't have to look. You know, just feel it in your in yourself. So and then eventually I actually it came full circle and now I'm in the same space that I started in, but now I have the whole space and the whole front room and the whole back room. So it's really grown and I'm really glad that I took that plunge and decided to do it because I absolutely adore teaching. I love it so much. I love my students all so much and I love nurturing them and encouraging them to be true to themselves and and be who they are and use pull for whatever it is that they wanna use it for, that it's not about the latest, biggest tricks. If they're into that, then I encourage it. If they wanna compete, then I encourage it. But that's not for everybody. So I try to I try to cater to each individual person and what their their needs are and what they love most about it and just keep it going that way, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny um, how you described you opening your studio, I think, is just how it was back then. Like and when I said, you know, I Vanya opened her studio in 2005, I think there's just this misconception that she was like, I'm going to open a studio. And Vanya <laughs> taught in strip clubs first. Vanya then had mm-hmm. a home studio and a lot of, um, we, I talked to, um, uh, Allison Sipes was in Florida and she started teaching. It's very similar to you where someone just put up one pole at another <laughs> like a dance studio and they're like, okay, well you can teach the pole class on this. So it was like, it, not that long ago, like even, you know, five to 10 years ago, there mm-hmm. was no, like, this is how you open a pole studio. You, right. It was really like, okay, put a pole up in this dance studio we've I've, we've heard countless um yeah people say that on this podcast so it's just 
Like it's a, it's a hard thing to do. Right. It is. Well, I do think that I was really lucky um, because I, I, since I just started in that little studio, I did have about 30 students, regular students when I opened my studio. So I knew I already had students going in. So that's a big thing too. I imagine it would be a lot harder and a lot scarier to just say, Oh, I'm going to open a pole studio and have have no clientele, you know, just kind of do it and hope that people start coming in. I can't imagine that. In 2005, 2006, people hadn't heard of it either. So now it may be a bit easier just because it's a thing. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Did you Mm -hmm. have any um, reaction from the community? Because you are in the Midwest, you know? So was there any response from the community when you opened like the official poll studio? Um, Or not really? not, Not as much as people would think, but I did... It's a really, it was really kind of scary. I had this really scary moment. I, when I was in, when I was subletting out of the other yoga studio, uh, things were going pretty well, but I was starting to outgrow it. Like I said, it was just a small space with two poles. I did feel like I was starting to outgrow it and needed to be able to have more poles and also offer more classes, maybe add instructors so we could have classes, more than one class going on simultaneously. And so I had just started, I was trying to save money and I was just started thinking about moving to another, a bigger space. And the woman I was subletting from told me that she was having structural problems and her space was getting flooded on the regular basis. And she, the landlord wasn't cooperating and she was having to leave. So I had two weeks notice to get out and find a new place. I mean, I had I had members at this point. My students pay a a membership tuition, monthly tuition. So I had people that were already paying me, who were expecting classes. And then not only I had to continue teaching classes somehow and also find a new space that was fairly ready to move into and um, wasn't going to cost a lot of money because I did not have a lot of money. And it was all mine. I've never, I haven't still to this day, I haven't taken any business loans or anything. This has all been me saving money and working on my own. I don't have any partners, business partners or anything like that. So this was all a huge shock and I'm trying to figure out how am I going to teach classes and find a new space. So I'm looking everywhere for a new space. Every space I find, I don't really like, and it would require a big build out of, you know, adding really expensive mirrors and a dance floor and all of these things that I did not have. And then it turned out, and actually this was really wonderful because a couple who are students of mine. Uh, Oh, that's another thing. I've actually offered classes to all genders for, for a very long time, almost from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, And they offered to let me continue teaching classes to the members out of their house, uh, which I did. I didn't take any new members, but so they knew everybody else who would be in their house, but yeah, they gave me a key to their home and let me teach my classes out of their living room while I was finding a new place. And um, then it turned out that the place where I had taught and had left, had closed one month before this all happened and was open for rent. And so I contacted the landlord and this place, this space is perfect. It was already a dance studio. So it already had, you know, floor to eight foot ceilings or like floor to eight foot mirrors from floor to eight feet up. And, um, already had 11 and a half foot ceilings, already had a pretty dance floor, already had a lobby, you know, it already had all of those things plus the back room. And so 
I contacted the landlord and I was really excited about it. And I thought he was going to say yes. I think he may have said yes. And then he got back to me and said, after talking to the business district or the business association, he was going to have to say no because they didn't know how they felt about having a pole dancing in the area. Uh, but then one of my friends, who also is one of my students, he owns a business on the same block, and he stood up for me and said, no, she does w- wonderful things for this community. Pole dancing has been great. If you, you know, Once you understand the things that this does for the community, you would you know, change your mind. Uh, but he had told me no. So I, I called my mom. I was really upset. And she said, oh, don't worry. Something is going to happen. It's going to come through. And she even said something like, some woman is going to change this for you. And that landlord called me back the next day and said, well, I just want to let you know, I'm going to go ahead and, and allow you in the space. I, I talked to my wife about it. And she said, oh, no, that's a legitimate fitness program. And it's the next big thing. You should let her do that. So thanks to his wife, he called me back and said, sure, come on in. Yeah, right. (laughs) So I immediately moved in and we, you know, when we got kicked out of the other space, we had laid the wood floor by ourselves and I, we packed it up. I mean, I had five students help me. It all happened so fast. We unloaded the entire studio, including the floor, put the floor in my vibe, which had carried our stage all over the country, you know, and (laughs) My other students packed their boxes into their cars and we took everything to the new studio. We laid the floor down in the back room because it was still carpeting. The fr- the first, the big studio had plenty of dance floor space already. And then um, we started teaching classes there and everything, everything turned out. <laughs> everything was fine. And I mean, we've been going there ever since. So you're still in the same spot. And that's such a testament to like how much your students love and respect you because there are not many people who likes to help someone move less yet puts out wood floor that's true or, you know or it is really a family it really is exactly. they are my family they are absolutely and yeah they're my friends they're my family I know a lot of people say you're not supposed to do that when you're a business owner whatever but you know what screw that they're, they are they're my friends they're my family yeah. and they do mean more to me than business and that's the way it's going to be that's the way I choose for it to be. <laughs> so yeah, I feel is. like the rules are changing. We're not like it's not the 1950s where there's structure and you're going to the office and you have to have like re- you know respect the levels. Fuck that! It's pull down. Right. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're exactly. It's about doing, love. Yeah, you were obviously doing the right thing because it sounds like without all of these people opening up their home, vouching for you to the business district, helping you, you know. That's true. That's absolutely true. I thank him so much. And he is one of my um, students as well. He's been taking my floor. He doesn't even take pole, but he's been taking my weekly floor work class for four years now, I think. Wow. And he's amazing. So, yeah. And so you say you obviously started out teaching all of the classes. It's Michelle Mink's (laughs) Academy, in case anyone didn't catch that. But how did you, like, I'm thinking the only way that you eventually got other teachers was because they had to come through your system, right? Right. That's cool. Yeah, (laughs) they were all my students. um, And they, yes, and I trained them myself. And those instructors I've had for years now. Um, Four of them I've had for a very long time. It was five, and he just moved to Milwaukee, and that's the only reason he's no longer at the studio. Um, And then there are a couple more that have been added that have been coming in from other studios or they were teaching at other studios, but taking my classes and I love and adore them. It's really important to me that it's not just someone who is 
good at teaching pole, but is actually really good at teaching pole to all different types of students and also holds the same philosophies that I do about um, accepting all people, all orientations, all genders, all gender identities, all body types, all fitness levels, all adult ages, all of those things, and um, not allowing negative self-talk, um, keeping it really open and positive all the time about all of those things. You know, it's not, I don't consider it a gym and, and some pole studios are gyms and that's fine. That's their thing. That's totally great. It's just not my thing to me. It's a dance studio. It's an art space. So, uh, fitness is a nice side effect, but it's not what it's about to me. It's about the love of dance and the love of movement and the love of yourself and, uh, celebrating your body and how strong it is and the things that they, they can do, focusing on what your body can do instead of your interpretation of what it looks like, learning to love your body for those things instead, learning to express yourself. And also sexuality. You know, so often in this world, women's sexuality especially is it's about outwardly, it's a lot of times about what men think or what people think men want or what have you. And it has nothing to do with that for me. Everything, it's all about expressing it for yourself, what what feels good to you and what makes you feel strong. And there doesn't need to be anyone else around. It doesn't have to be for the gaze of anyone else. But there is nothing wrong with celebrating and showcasing your sexuality in a strong, powerful way, um, taking ownership over your body, taking agency over your own body, and doing with it what you want, taking it back for yourself and using it how you want to use it instead of other people trying to use it the way they want to use it. Correct. Yeah. It's, society has been dictating to us for a while, you know, of what, yeah. what sexy is and what you need to do to be sexy or what's sexually acceptable, what isn't. And usually you're right. It's like for the male gaze or corporate, um, corporate gains. So <laughs> if you're right. not and selling I feel like a I'm product, so... if you're not, yes. you know, being consumed by gaze, like then it's no good. Then it's, it's a negative thing. So you just, yeah. And that concept of doing things for the male gaze is, honestly, I feel like I'm so far away from that that I have to remind myself that a lot of people feel that way or they've had that ingrained in them because I don't, well, I mean, I'm gay anyway, so I'm surrounded by women most of the time and and I love them. I mean, I'm surrounded by all genders all the time, but... I've never felt like I was doing anything for the male gaze. And you worked at a strip club. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Even at the strip club, I still felt like I was always having a good time doing what I wanted. That's one of the things I loved about working at the strip club was making decisions for myself, making my own schedule, wearing what I wanted to wear, doing what I wanted to do on stage, saying no to this customer and yes to this customer based on what I was comfortable with. To me, yes, stripping can have its bad moments. I definitely don't want to sugarcoat anything. It's hard. It's a really, really hard job, and it can be terrible, and it can be degrading, but it can also be more positive if that's the way that you make it. If you don't allow yourself to be degraded and you move on from that customer, then then you won't be. You move on to the ones who respect you, and they are out there. You know, there are a lot more of them than people think. And so it's just a matter of what you accept. Things, bad things will happen. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like it's your fault that you let allow them to degrade you. I would never say that. But you can make decisions through every moment in your life based on what you allow and what you don't. And it's when those choices are taken away from us that that is, that is the absolute worst. And that's what we're trying to get back here, you know. 
We have control over this. We are doing this. We're making choices for ourselves. When I saw that thing about the London women's shelter, that whole blow. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. You know, it really angers me for the women that they're supposed to be helping. Absolutely. But on another level, it makes me really sad for the women saying those things because if they think that we're only doing this for the male gaze, to me, that means they must be doing everything for the male gaze, everything that they do in their lives. Because if they think that they show videos of women by themselves in a studio dancing sexy. And how is that for the male gaze? There's no males there. There, There's there's not even anyone in there, you know? So that means to me, everything you do when you get dressed in the morning is for the male gaze. Mm -hmm. I mean, how, why did you put makeup on today? Why did you do your hair? None of that was for you. Why did you take a shower? Why did you choose that sweater? You know, if you can do all of those things for yourself, you can also pole dance for yourself. I don't understand why that's so hard. It makes me really sad that they, they think that way. And I just, I hope for them that they discover that it can be for them too. You know, that everything isn't for other they, people. Those are the people that need to take pole dance classes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and real quick, what is your extravaganza? Because I always see people post about this online, the Michelle Minx extravaganza. Okay, well, it's a student show. It's mainly a student showcase. Um, I think I started it in, I think it was 2007. I'd have to do the math on that. But this coming year will be my 10th, will be the 10th anniversary. And which is also really exciting because I think, actually, maybe you're the person to ask. I'm not positive. But I think it may be the longest pole showcase running. Could be. In history, possibly, of the country, maybe of the world. Um, yes, well, not in studios, but yes, yeah, student showcase, uh, non-competitive poll showcase. Um, so when it started, it was one night and there were 17 performers and we sold out and it was amazing. Wow. I think I sold tickets for $5 <laughs> and over the years it has grown and now it's a three night event. I have headliners coming in. Marlo Fiskin and Kenneth Cow were my headliners this past year. I've had Alethea Austin, Carol Helms, Roz Mays, um, Bunny Thompson, Sergio Louise Anderson, Nadia Sharif, David C. Owen. I'm probably forgetting someone awesome, and I'm really sorry to whoever that is. It's probably someone amazing. They were all amazing. Um, so they just they come in and they do a guest performance and teach workshops while they're there and now it's mainly a student showcase but people are applying people started other people wanted started wanting to be in it other people that I've met in my poll travels a lot of people from Chicago or Columbia Missouri or even further in the Midwest or beyond and so I started welcoming them in and this past year I actually had to take applications because I had such an interest in performing well because it's it's not a competition Mm -hmm. it is absolutely a showcase and it is the whole point of it is to showcase uh, how how different everyone is and the variety that and the creativity that pole can bring out all levels all styles all genders all body types all of all of the things you can do completely sexy style and heels you can strip down to pasties and g-string if you want you can do no stripping at all if you don't want you could do sporty style if you want it can be apps you can do sad dramatic angry political absolutely any funny anything that you can imagine to do with pole you're welcome to do it in my showcase so 
people really take that opportunity to feel the love. You come in and everyone is completely supportive of each other and they just can't wait to see what each other is doing because there's absolutely no competition whatsoever. You can't, you can't compete against someone else because no one else is you, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that's what attracts people to it. And there's just this overwhelming feeling of love everywhere in the air when you're, when you're there. And so also it's since the first year, it's been um, a fundraiser for the sexual assault victims unit. I've been a volunteer for them for a long time now. And so I decided to make it a fundraiser because I'm a firm believer that performers should always be paid for their work. Uh, artists should be paid for their work. Um, but with this many performers, it's impossible. It, people would get maybe $20 or something. <laughs> so I thought rather than paying each person not enough money to be in this show, let's just take all of the money and give it to a really good cause. And so over the years, it's it's now up to over $20,000 that we've we've raised for the sexual assault victims unit. And um, one of the things I love about that too is that it's something that we're doing for each other and for ourselves. You know, especially women, the statistics are out, out you know, through the roof on sexual assault. Um, just about everyone has experienced some form of sexual assault, whether it's having your ass grabbed in public or a violent rape. You know, everybody has had something along those lines happen. So, you know, even... And all causes are worthwhile, don't get me wrong. But a lot of times we do fundraisers for um, diseases or disorders that really not that many people are affected by. And when you do something like this that affects every single person, every single person is affected by sexual assault, whether personally or the person sitting right next to you. So we're all dancing for ourselves. We're dancing for each other. There's something really powerful in that as well. And also something really powerful about taking agency and control over your own body and your own sexuality and celebrating it in a way that makes you feel strong again for yourself and for other people. So I feel like it's the perfect, it's the perfect matchup pole dancing and, and, uh, you know, raising money for the rape crisis center. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And rape crisis centers don't have lobbyists in Washington that, you know, where they're like huge corporate, fundraising companies, you know, so it is kind of like they do kind of, um, depend on, you know, smaller supporters. And so Mm -hmm. that's cool. Right. Yeah. The letters that I've gotten from them just, I mean, they make me ball my eyes out every, every year. It's so needed. And what we do turns out to be giving, uh, I mean, they, they give therapy, they give long-term therapy to, um, children and adults who are victims of sexual abuse, sexual assault, and incest, all of those things. Uh, they give long-term therapy to them that's free. So, And they also give holiday gifts and programs and educational programs where they go around to schools and teach people about prevention and also what to do if something happens to you. So the money that we raise goes to all of those programs, and they've told me that they wouldn't be able to do some of them without without the show, without the extravaganza. So, you know, yeah, Paul's doing good things. <laughs> yes, and you're doing good things. <laughs> and so um, I feel like I want to ask you so many more questions, but we do have to jump into the, um, the second part, the standard uh, question. So I do have more questions for you, but they're more okay. structured now. <laughs> okay. So um, who is your pole crush? Oh, my pole crush. Okay. So if you ask me this, my pull crush as in the person that I 
really love to watch on pole and admire with pole dance, I would probably, I mean, there's tons of them. There's tons of them. I could mark off a lot, but I would say probably Nadia Sharif as far as movement and pole, because she's so fun and she's so amazing. And I love her mixture of backyard breakdance style mixed with a uh, kind of a stripper style, sexy style. And, um, she's such a badass in general. I love watching her perform and I love her attitude. She's always so sweet with everything and really positive about everything and just really fun and, and humble and great to be around. Um, but I would have to say my pole crush as a woman who loves women, if you're talking like a real crush, it would be Lux ATL. Um, I mean, she's actually someone who I, when I say, when you say crush in that way, like she's someone I would actually consider dating and could see myself, you know, making out with or more. That's okay. We've talked about this. She knows. Well, she just knows. so it's you fine. know, you were her pole crush when she was on this. Oh, it's a, it's a match podcast. made. So it's a match. Tinder, Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, very cool. Yeah. It's nice to have like mutual admiration for. Yeah. She, I mean, she's just such a badass. She's so amazing. She's such a strong feminist and such a strong voice for women, pole dancers in general, and just, she says so many things that people need to hear and need to be said, and they need to be said loud, and I'm glad she's saying it loud in that in that Lux accent that she has. It's beautiful, and I love hearing it every day. Yeah, you guys are both, like, super bad bitches, and, you know, I totally admire Oh, I'm even wearing her shirt right now. Oh, you are. No shame, no fear, no apologies. Yes. And I will reveal on the back it says just love. <laughs> you yes. don't have to turn around. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I've seen that one once or twice before. Yeah. Cool. So, okay, next question. How would you like to see the poll community evolve over the next five years? Hmm. Uh, I'd like to see people have more fun with it. And continue to explore themselves and watch and be inspired by other people, but not worry so much about keeping up with the latest trends. Because once you catch up to a trend, it's done anyway. So you may as well just be inspired and keep on your own path, on your own journey, um, seeing what your own body can do, what you're good at, and don't try to fit into a box that you think you're supposed to as a pole dancer or try to do things that you think you're supposed to as a pole dancer. I would like to see the whole community do that to be true to themselves and continue dancing and loving it for what it is and not, not worry so much about competition and winning and being the next big thing or the next big name, you know, just enjoy it for what it is and it'll, it'll grow on its own, you know? Yeah. It's great advice. Something we need to be reminded of from time to time. Yeah, definitely. And do you have anything coming up that you'd like to share with our audience? Um, I'm going to put all your social media in um, the show notes. Um, mm-hmm. And is there... Or just swing by your studio if you're in St. Louis? Or Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, if you want to come to the studio, um, I do. the website has the classes that are in session. We have drop-in classes going all the time. But anyone who's already a pole dancer should know that the classes that say members only, I say that just so that beginners don't think that they can just come and jump in. So, But if you are going to be in the St. Louis area and you want to come to the studio, shoot me an email. And we'll talk about your schedule and where you're at in your pole journey. And uh, you're welcome to come into the members' classes. We'll just figure out which one's best for you while you're here. You can also do private classes. So, yeah, everyone's welcome. 
just contact me first so we can fit the best class for you. Um, other than that, I would say the big, big thing is that the extravaganza 10 year anniversary is coming up. It's not until October, but uh, we're going to start early with this one because it's a really big deal. I'm really excited about it. Uh, Lux ATL and Crystal Belcher will be headlining. So I already have those. Already have those, and I'm really excited about that. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing all the dancers. This year we had over 90. We had about 90 performers total do, do for the weekend. Perform so they only. It's I know it's three nights, but people don't perform for three nights. It's people circulate it. No. different people every night. It's different. Yes, so there I are no repeat performances every night. I have to fly out for this sometime. This absolutely amazing. <laughs> yes. No, it's all different performances every night. Uh, I performed each night, but I did a different act each night. And Steel Starling, he's one of my instructors, he performed each night, but he did one solo, one duet with Maxi Glamour, and one duet with Horchata Dentana. So he did. He still did a different performance each night as well. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So before we wrap things up, and you already have done this, but do you have one thing left that you can leave us with Something that an empowering quote or message um, or story, just to wrap things up. Um, I would say, well, my personal motto is be nice, but don't take any shit. <laughs> so I think I think everyone can do that. I think you yeah. can be kind to others and still not be walked all over. Um, another thing I would say is to remember this is one of the only rules in my studio, and I mean, obviously, you shouldn't say mean things to other people, but. Generally, that's not a problem in pole studios. So my rule is if you wouldn't say it to your best friend, don't say it about yourself. Um, no self-deprecating talk. Remember what you would say to your friend in the same situation and don't do that to yourself. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes we treat ourselves worse than anyone. So Right, exactly. We need to stop doing that. Yeah, and also, you know, not... Also, it's not a problem. People don't shame others in pole studios for not doing well enough. It's usually only the person shaming themselves for that. But sometimes people, that could go the other way too. You know, the people who are doing really well, who are naturals at movement or who are naturally strong or naturally flexible, um, you know, don't don't call them a show off or or make them feel like they need to hold back because they're so so good at it either. You know, that can be an issue too. Let everyone thrive in the place that they're at. You know, just respect that for everybody and be as supportive of the, of the people who things come naturally to as you are to the people who things don't come naturally to. Because everyone has their struggles. Everyone's in a different place. You cannot compare yourself to others because, well, there's really no control for that. You know, everyone starts their life in a different place. Some people have had 18 years of formal dance training. Some people have had none. Some people have had three children with no physical activity for 10 years and they're just now starting and other people have been working out incessantly that whole entire time. So there's no way to compare yourself to others. So you may as well not even try. It really doesn't feel good to be better than or worse than someone else. You know, there's no, there's no good feeling that comes from feeling superior either. You know, you should only feel superior to who you used to be, not anyone else around you. Yeah. Super, super true, girl. <laughs> Michelle Minks, thank you so, so much thank for being you. on the podcast. It's been so fun talking with you. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Yeah. It's great to finally see you in person, too. Mixes unite. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Pole Parlor Podcast. Want more? 
Visit PoleParlor.com for show notes and to link to the Facebook group where you can connect with other Poleaholics and continue the conversation. Listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on the website, YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Lots of love, babes. Thanks for listening. 